Jersey Shore. Everywhere, right? We're like, talking about Jersey. Hey guys, <laughs> how's it going? Welcome to the Scrub Podcast. This is uh, your, as always, hosts D Sale and Christopher Casby. And eventually, we're probably going to get a third. But it's it's. Been, I don't know if you guys, anyone who's, I guess, I, I, don't, I, I guess, if you're picking up on episode seventy-seven, like, <laughs> um, there you are. We're. Uh, I guess we just. I don't know, piss people off? I don't know. (laughs) We're kind of a specific flavor of person. (laughs) And so... That flavor is sour. (laughs) Not sour, it's... (laughs) Alright, it's kind of like... You know when you get to... Like, I don't know, how many of you guys are degenerate fucking pieces of shit like us? (laughs) When you're, like, out of whiskey, and you're out of vodka, and there's, like, amaretto... <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> and like you're really thirsty and you want to drink, so you pour yourself some amaretto. And I don't know if you've ever drank amaretto, but it's not good. Well, I mean, you can <laughs> but, drink it. Like it's sweet. Like it tastes good initially. Yeah. And then, but in, like after like a couple of sips, you're just like, God, what am I doing? And then in the morning, like, your mouth tastes like death. Right. So like when you listen to Scrubland, I feel like that's what you get. <laughs> We're just a tall glass of amaretto. <laughs> just like, oh man, uh, what am I doing with my life? Why am I listening to this? Yeah, yeah, great as a mixer, but um, we're good alongside other things. But when you're just amaretto, you're just like, <laughs> great as a mixer. Um, this oh is shit. Not- no, uh, oh, oh yeah, so, the, no, this is Magic the Gathering podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, we talk about Magic the Gathering. We're, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> right. We're, we're talking about, uh, you know, Jersey and... Are we talking about Jersey? <laughs> Amaretto. There's a lot... Which apparently go hand in hand. There's a lot to say about New Jersey, let me tell you. I mean, like, whenever I, we okay. go through Jersey, it's we try and do it very quickly. I will say that Jersey has going for it. You don't have to pump your own gas. You're actually not allowed to, uh, which is awesome. Sometimes that's not a good thing. Really? Sometimes it's raining and there's only one attendant, and he doesn't have a poncho on, and he just hates you. Oh. But, you mean you tip him, and then you're okay. Well, by tip him, you mean he's not going to come out there until I roll my window down and take a $5 bill and stick it straight out the window and let it rain on it until he comes and takes it out of my hand. Well, right. That's... This is li- this is my literal experience I've had in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Think about dealing with people who have to like write on their resume that they are gas station attendants. Like, <laughs> you have to, you have to, you have to sometimes sink to their level. <laughs> I mean, I like. I'm sorry a, to all you gas station attendants out there who listen to our podcast. Like, if you want to get a bartender's attention, the fastest way is to take a twenty dollar bill and stick it all the way over the counter and just wave it around. I will get to you. Like, pretty quickly. I'm just letting you know. Like, that is the fastest way to get service at any bar. I mean, I find the best way to get attention of the bartenders to bat my eyelashes. But. And then they're really disgusted. Yeah, like, I don't. (laughs) I was like, but I I was trying to vision that. But then they just want me away from the bar as soon as possible, so they come and get me a drink. (laughs) That's like feeding a stray cat. Huh? He's going to come back. Right. Well, I'm staying there. That's the thing. I'll stay there. I won't go away. I'll just stay. Yeah. So how does that help them make you leave? Huh? Hmm? Well, no, no. If I get my drink, I'll go away and come back. But if I don't get my drink, I just stay there. 
and that's just worse. No, you have. Because then a, they feel my beady little eyes Casby, on them the whole you're, time. You're lying right now. What? You, there are a lot of bars on your shit list. Which? What? Who? Three monkeys. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Starlight. I love Starlight. I was there this. I was there this afternoon. Buddies. I've never been to Buddies. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's a bar called Buddies. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a friendly place. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> Where do you want to go for dinner? Let's go to Jim's. <laughs> Let's go to Buddy's. He'll be your friend. To be fair, they have really good pineapple burgers. Let's go to Cletus's Casseroles. I've never had a better pineapple burger. <laughs> I also don't eat a lot of pineapple burgers, so, <laughs> you know. I actually never had another pineapple burger. It's the only one, actually, <laughs> but they were the best, so... We're not yeah. at we're not at a restaurant, you guys. We're actually just late night podcasting. Yeah, we're at my house. Just uh, I, we okay. So I went out for brunch earlier, and I just slept until midnight after I got home. I was already oh yeah, so yeah. T sales crashed on the couch, and he's like, we just I wake up at midnight, and he's like, oh well, what time is it? I was like, I don't know, it's midnight. I just woke up, and he's like, oh, me too. I so guess we're like fuck it, let's podcast. This is this is where we are. Uh, so. Let's let's bring it around. Cause oh, one more one more thing. One more, oh, brother. Just because I've got a soft spot in my heart for this, because my name's Chris. Uh huh. You know that the, the kid from Crisscross died. No, he's dead. He over- OD'd on something. Chris Kelly on on awkward fashion sense. <laughs> Is that what he OD'd on? Yes. <laughs> He actually choked himself on his backwards ass <laughs> polo shirt. Did he get confused while putting on the suspenders and accidentally turned them around his neck? I'm sorry, this is really insensitive. It is. It's a little. It's a little insensitive. Yeah. Well, welcome to the scrub land. <laughs> um, but uh, what happened? Dragon's, in Magic? Ma- Dragon's Maze. A number of things happened in Magic. Dragon's Maze being one of them. We talked about it a little bit. No, um, the only thing is Dragon's Maze. Everything else is a subset of Dragon's Maze. Fair. We've all been lost in the Dragon's Maze for years, apparently. The first time we were in Ravnica, we were already in the Dragon's Maze. Were we? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read the story yet, but there, that's what I've gotten out of the flavor text so far. Um, <laughs> so, talk to us a little bit about what you did. You drafted some, right? Yeah, I've drafted a whole bunch. Um, so, we played the sealed deck events from the pre-release, and the sealed deck was really crazy. Um... Basically, just because you had to play all the colors all the time, because they still did guild packs from the other thing. This this was really a lot less attended than Return to Ravnica or Gatecrash, and I feel like it's because people were like, "Oh, well, it's just going to be more of the same," and that's hard. That's a hard sell for some people when they're like, because apparently Gatecrash, from talking to local store owners was their best day ever. Beating Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> like, w- like we did more sales on the release of Gatecrash Day than all of, our, like, our busiest day on Christmas. Not the whole week, but at least, like, single-day sales. People loved Gatecrash. Yeah. And Dragon's Maze was less. <laughs> well, I think what it was was I think that, like, RTR had a pretty steady buildup in, like, it was very excited. Everyone was yeah. very excited about Ravnica, going back to Ravnica, and it just got played very consistently for a while, and that led up to Gatecrash, and everyone just wanted to well, like, slam Gatecrash because RTR was so good. They're chomping at the bit. They're like, oh, there's these other five guilds, right. and and 
they put Boros and Gruul in there, and those guys are just always big sellers. They're traditionally just like, the one that Yeah, like. I, like, especially for pre-release, like, people just want to play the aggro things. So I guess I can't really be surprised by that. Um, well, I feel like, okay, so, like, the first set, like, is it was, like, the one that everyone was kind of excited about? Because there's so many is it people. Like, is it's the biggest guild. And so many people just love blue. Oh, red. like on the DCI. Yeah. So like everyone was very excited about that. And is it kind of sucked? <laughs> it did. Is it was like really awkward. But like like the the second Gate Crash had so many of the guilds that are secondary popular. Orzov, Gruul, and Boros. Like, yeah. Those are the ones that everyone like. You Everybody know. wanted to be, like. Demir has a big following, but it's a big casual following. Everybody just really likes to be. Orzov and Gruul <laughs> and Boros. Yeah, like turn sideways. Those just they just have a lot of feel good cards, a lot of raw power cards that just make you feel like you're destroying your opponent. And to, which is weird to me too because I have a box of Gate Crash that I can't get rid of. I know multiple people in the area that just have a box of Gate Crash in their trunk that no one can get rid of yeah. right now because it's apparently like, well, I top like, eight at this PTQ or I did well at this event and I just got this product and you don't yeah. want to open it and you're just well like, but then like nobody wants to buy it because apparently there are not really any money cards in Gate Crash so well there's <laughs> there's a couple but it's not nearly as much as like Innistrad you know sure no there so. Innistrad sold out everywhere yeah apparently you can't get those cards oh yeah it's it's they stopped printing it I have a box of Dark Ascension too I can't get rid of that either. <laughs> eh, hold on to that one. Yeah, like, no, you'll I, be able to. You'll, I, you'll be able to offload that. One. I feel like I can get that one out. Anyway, um, Dragon's Maze is cool. It's it's a small set, so you see a lot less cards. And so, as far as draft goes, it's it's interesting because this is like the first time we've had reverse drafting in this, where it's small set, large set, large set, and so because there are two large sets. You end up with this. It's hard to tell what you're going to get sometimes out of packs two and three. Yeah. Even even though you know basically what you're going to get, you just like because I've really really wanted to draft a crackling perimeter deck. Right. I tried to do it twice. I just ended up in like four or five color good stuff, and never picked up a crackling perimeter because it's an uncommon. Yeah. Like yeah. I got I got one in right. two drafts. So I, like that that draft I actually had to hold the gate of crackling perimeter and five gates. And then I just ne- didn't end up playing either of the enchantments because they weren't worth it. <laughs> well, Hold the Gates is much better when you have an aggressive curve. And when you're just playing fatties that are huge already, you don't... I don't feel like you need that as much. Oh, so we should tell the people what Hold the Gate does because that's a card that got completely ignored. It's in Gate Crash. Uh, yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's a, an enchantment, two and a white. All your creatures get Vigilance and plus zero, plus one for each gate you control. So it actually just makes your board just a wall that's so hard to break through. I mean, if I have three gates and all my dudes have vigilance, like, what do you do? Like, how are you supposed to beat me? Right. Like, I especially just, if any of them fly or if any of them have reach. I like, just, you're just I like, just play three creatures and you can never get through me anymore. Right. Ever. And so, like, this wasn't very good in Gate Crash because that was, like, such an aggressive set. Right. But now we're in a set where, like, Selesnya has Populate... And so, like, I I just have, like, a, a conservative scenario. I have two bird tokens. They're both one threes with vigilance. Like, that's good. Like, <laughs> They're better as one fours against Celestia, but I get where you're going. <laughs> I'm saying, like, that's just a good scenario for you. Um, it's And again, that card's an uncommon, but 
I was talking to people about it. But today. that's also a car that wheels all the time I was, because nobody understands. Nobody how good knows that what car it does. Is. And so, like, I was talking to people in the store, and they're like, "Yeah, uh, what does that cost? Like five? I was like, "No, like, does it cost four? It's like, "No, <laughs> it costs three. They're like, "Oh, but it gives you guys O one in vigilance." I'm like, "No, sometimes it gives you guys O four in vigilance." Yeah, <laughs> like. Oh. Sometimes it's very good. Sometimes so, it's better than a Crusade. <laughs> I'm going to lose this game now, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. Because <laughs> like, I got these two Jelen Sphinx. <laughs> you're just very dead. Um, But, uh, yeah, so, okay, so, like, I drafted once. I drafted this once. I drafted at F&M, and I liked it a lot. Um, so my, my whole idea was, okay, everyone's going to be trying to play these slow decks... Like, I want to go under them. So I very aggressively picked the 2-1 Lifelink Extort guy with, like, uh... He's a common. Tithe Drinker. Yeah, Tithe Drinker. He's a common. Yeah, he, um... Black, white, 2-1, Extort, Lifelink. Like, correct. Extort and Lifelink? That is ridiculous stats. Well, it's like... Okay, so when I said that was, like, probably my favorite card in the new set, you were like, why? And I was like... A two power dude for two with two lines of text, <laughs> and yeah. like that's like very good. Like, and when I found out, like when I first thought it, I thought it was uncommon because I was like, that guy's really good. And I saw he was common. Like, get that out! Of, really good. Yeah, get out of town, right? Yeah, like, that card. Like, that card's amazing. Very good. Um, so I, I just really aggressively picked that, and then like just ended up with the other pack since I cut ores off so much. Just pack two, I got a lot of ores off cards, and they're like just less good, but still really good. Like I. I I mean, you know, that's a couple of gutter, gutter sculpts came through late. Like, I got a syndicatize and stuff like that. So it's just like, I ended up in Borzov. It's the, it's the best archetype. It was the best archetype in Gate Crash. It's it's a still a very strong archetype. Right. I'm not maybe the best is is too early to call. There's obviously other decks to draft, but like. But I remember, like, I saw your draft deck, and you won your pod, and I played out mine, and I won my pod. And we took two very different spot approaches to Borzov. Right. Which well, is, you, which is, you took, like, five-color Borzov. Not, like, not today. Oh, no, no. Oh, you're talking about your one today. today. Yeah, you took, the you took like, the four-drop, five-drop powerhouses, yeah. and I took, like, infinite two-drops. So, like, my deck was, like, it had, like, two, it ended up with two uh, chain walkers, the the 2-1 X-Store guy from Rakdos from the first set, and, like, you know, just a bunch of, like, it had seven bears... And then like seven five, bears. It's seven dudes on turn Dude, two. That's a lot. <laughs> I was I was like I'm all in aggression, so I played. But like I here's the thing that I found out like just from the first draft, people forgot how good cards were from the first set. Oh yeah, no, I was constantly I wield two auger sprees. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like well, maybe that should tell you something about the people you draft with. Um, well, no, no. That being said, yeah, there were some stinkers in the pod. There was also like two or three players there that were pretty good. And I was like, I don't know how this made it through that. Yeah. Like, even if you're not in those colors, like, I feel like that's a pretty strong signal that you should jump. There. No, I was I was able to wheel a dead reveler, which is just the three mana two three unleash, and which like, is like first pickable. Yeah, and like I mean, in triple return Radiga, it was really good, and like it just I think people just have forgotten, forgotten how good cards were back then. Yeah, it's like oh, these cards are still very very good. You should maybe think about that, like. So my deck was just nine removal spells, fourteen dudes, and it was awesome. And you were like, when I laid it out in front of you, you're like, your deck's sick. And then I looked at yours today, and I was like, your deck's pretty sick. <laughs> like, um, Slum Reaper was my least favorite card, and you're like, nah, this dude was a powerhouse. So, <laughs> so here's where I was: was that, that uh, because I've drafted these 
<laughs> me and Casby both think we're right about Dragon's Maze, which is hilarious to me. Um, that he keep he keeps saying that you should be all in aggression, and I've been drafting these multicolor top end decks that have also been very successful. And so, what I've been doing is getting picking up a lot of gates kind of early, but so like you don't ignore. You don't ignore the bombs, you don't ignore the removal in right. Dragon's Maze, but because Dragon's Maze is such a small set and all of these gate watchers are common, you're able to just pick them up. And just and, end up with multiple yeah, necrotals. And, like, and every single pack that you have a, a gate in, because they all have them, you're able to pick up, you know, it's not uncommon if you want them to have three, four, five gates in your, in your total deck. Right. So... At the end of Dragon's Maze, I need to have at least two or three. And you can... It's been... I've, I'm still not sure where people land on them, because some people are taking them super-duper high, and other people are just like, don't care, don't care, don't care, and they're just trying to draft this two-color deck, so they just pass them on all day long. And I feel like it's such an epic tease for these guild gates to be in Dragon's Maze, because you're like, oh, no, I can pass them, I can pass them, because there's gates. This same card shows up in the other two packs. So you still have a shot. But in less, yeah, in like, less numbers. Because it shows up in the common slot in big sets. So, like, you can still get them, but you have a much smaller chance of doing it. Well, so it's weird. Like, there's this weird balancing act you have to do. Like, you have to... I feel like the best way to do it is take the gates aggressively. Because if you take those guys aggressively and other people just end up hating out the gates... You just end up with these picks that you can't usually play. They're actually unplayable. Because the Borzov, the Borzov deck that I got today... I had three gates, and I only got one gate watcher because I was specifically trying to draft a uh, Boros Orzov top end uh, bomb base deck because I had like a Warmind Helix and then a uh, Orzov, or, or, Orzov, Orzov Pontiff. Pontiff. Yeah, Pontiff of the. Orzov Pontiff is yeah. his name. No, it's like Pontiff of the something. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, he's a but two, we know what you're talking he's about. He's a 270 gives all your guys next door. Right. And so, like, that's all the top end you need, really. Right. Um, and then I ended up with, like, two more flyers. But you you end up with these very good cards that uh, now, because I've got this top end, and I can just rely on this six and, like, one or two other five. I got, like, a Skymark Rock. Or, um, sorry. It's the three one with first strike uh, for five. Steeple Rock. Yeah. Like, those guys just will finish the game for me. So now all I have to do is focus on surviving until I get to that point. Mm-hmm. And these two four walls are super good at doing that. What I found was that, and maybe it's just me and how I like to draft, but at the end of Dragon's Maze, I had, like, almost no low end, but I had everything at four and higher that I could ever want <laughs> for my deck. And so for the rest of the draft, I just had to focus on picking up these low drop creatures to fill it out. Right. And in the end, when I only had the the white gate watcher and three gates, I said, you know what? It's not worth playing. Because I tried playing it. <coughs> it didn't work. Right. It actually did not work for me to play this guy because he was actually just a 2-4. And when I played him for no value, he was not good enough. Right. And I feel like a lot of those gate watchers are saying, like, you, you can, but it's always like, if, if you're in the deck construction phase and you're looking at the deck... And you're That's like, usually oh. like number twenty four. Yeah, you're like this is probably the cut at this point because like sometimes he's he's the slam because you have five gates or six gates. It's a forty card deck. He's always active. Well, it's also different. Like uh, so, like he's he plays different roles in different decks. Like 
the thing about a 2-4 is that he actually evolves a lot of creatures. Uh, so, like, he's fine if you have a heavy evolve deck. Um, yeah. It's also fine if you have a heavy flyers deck because he just clogs up the ground. Um, so they can't crack back as efficiently. Um, so, like, depending on your deck, obviously. like uh, the So, like, it's different also in the color pie because, like, blues 2-4s for 4, that doesn't happen very often. So a blue 2-4 for 4 is really good just because it's a blue 2-4 for 4. The black two When you can draw a card in addition, that's pretty awesome. The black one's the same way. Right. You don't get that type of card in those colors very often. So... And that one actually kills somebody. Like, when we say they're all Necrotals, they're... Act, like, the black one is actually a Necrotal that kills something. Right. But they all have an effect They're all 2-for-1s. They're all so big that you might as well be killing a creature. Right. I mean, even the one that just says gain 7... Gaining seven actually can reverse two to three turns of combat damage. Right. So it's, like, weird because the green one is, like, life gate is considered usually traditionally bad, but depending on the matchup, that's actually worth two cards because it's, like, a double fog or a double time walk, however you want to look at it. Like, sometimes that seven life is backbreaking against the, the aggro decks. So depending on the matchup, that seven life translates into more than one card. It translates into actual turns, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, so... You know, like the, the it's it's it, I really like this set. Like I've said it before, like on the cast, like I really liked RTR draft. Like I felt like it was very skill intensive. I thought Gate Crash was even more skill intensive, and now we're at a point where it's like a culmination of all of them. Like they, there's different, there's so many different strategies to draft now. Like there's there was always a right way to draft in RTR and in and Gate, Gate Crash, and now I feel like there's not. I feel like everybody's got a chance in this one. This seems like a set to me that is... It, it rewards you for knowing all the cards in the entire block, which is kind of a bad thing, in a way, because that's a lot of just information to cro- to process and Two know. big sets in one spot. Yeah, yeah. It, like, that's just so many cards to know <coughs> and, to, and to think about. But the... Like, mostly what you need to know going into the draft when you're opening up your first pack is, like, okay... What what th- what two to three guilds can I play that all work together? So what three colors can I be? And then, you know, just try to focus your draft around that. Because any two guilds that you put together will probably work together. Well, I mean, some, you wanna... some of them better than others, but... <laughs> okay, so I feel like all of the guilds overlap in some sense. And you really want to kind of focus on those synergies that overlap. Yeah, because that's 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 what's going to drive your deck. Like you know, like you know, when you have the evolved deck with Gruel, like okay, they don't necessarily go well together. Except Gruel just evolves everything in your deck. Like all your fatties that you play on turn four on probably just evolves all your plays turns two one through three. Yeah, um, and, you know, and like is it the same way? But I mean, it's like okay, so say you're an is it rug, you really want to capitalize on the evasion that you get in some of the semi, like you your Cloudfin Raptors and stuff like that, and really take advantage of the evasion and the cipher spells that you get with blue. So, like, like, every two-guild overmash has, like, synergies. You just want to figure out which one those you are able to capitalize yeah. on best. I'll, I'll say probably the best way to look at it is to pick to pick one of the five guilds from the first pack and one of the five guilds from, the second, from both of the big sets and do it that way, just because you have more shots at good cards with that guild mechanic. So that's why we're saying, like, Evolve and Cypher. Or... The the Simic and or, I'm sorry the the Populate and well so okay so and the Orzhov right the way that I feel about it so pack one I think the strongest way to do it is to pick one of the sets 
that's in gate crash. Yeah. Okay. So because you you cut that and you just get rewarded in pack two. Okay. And then pack three, you just if you're able to at that point mm-hmm. have just been two color, which is living the dream. <coughs> like that's where you're good because then you're just like okay, it doesn't matter what you pick up in RTR because you're gonna have enough playables in the mono colors. Because I felt like RTR had a lot more mono playables than like Game Crash versus Dragon Maze. So you pick up all the monocolor stuff in your whatever guild you are that you can pick up. That's just like marginal playable. Yeah. Then you're good because you you filled out your deck so well in packs one and two. When you have to go into three color, you're much. You have a lot more options in pack three, but you're less consistent. Yeah. So there's like there's it, you know it's it's a balancing act, and I think like what you really want to try and do is stick to the the guilds that are in Gate Crash in pack one if you're able to. I mean, obviously, you don't ignore your bombs, but okay. if you're able to really capitalize on the fact of the draft format of left, right, left, like, you are able to capitalize on cutting a guild and saying, okay, I'm going to get rewarded in the next pack because I, you are, I'm shipping no ores off, I should get all the ores off cards. Right. You Like, if you literally cut off an entire guild from the first pack, then the person next to you, hopefully hasn't picked up any of the cards that are in that pack. So at at a minimum, they are going to pass you at least at one pack and hopefully they open some kind of rare that was in your colors. Right. That would be the that would be the dream. And sometimes sometimes you can cut a color so hard that you can just straight get rares third and fourth pick. Right. That are really really good for you. Exactly. Like you're probably not going to get an Obsidot, but you might be able to get some other sweet treasury thrall. Yeah, like treasury yeah. thrall. Like that's the kind of card that people look at and they're like, "Well, I'm the Simic drafter because I didn't get anything." And then the next guy looks at it and he's like, "Well, I'm the Gruul drafter because I didn't get anything." And then you, here's your third pick, treasury thrall. Congratulations. So the worst thing that can happen is that you actually shift to the left, and the guy to your left goes into the five color strategy because then he can just take whatever he wants out of the second pack. Now, that still rewards you because he's going to take the best card out of it. And there's so many, in, you, in like certain guilds, you get so many playables. So there's a lot of middling stuff that you're going to get like that you might not have gotten if the guy to your left was also an Orzhov. Oh, dude, you're going to get all the Kingpin's pets. Right, you're going to get Kingpin's pets. Or you're going to get stuff late, like yeah. uh, gutter, gutter Skulk. Stuff that's playable in your deck. Not amazing, but playable. But you're going to get those stuff like later than you would usually. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. Like That's, that's really smart. That's yeah. actually really, really smart. So, um, yeah, I have moments. This might, <laughs> like, honestly, Dragon's Maze might be one of the most interesting sets to add since we've done reverse drafting. Just right. be, Just because we haven't gotten to reverse draft three sets a lot, and this set just has a lot of cards in it and a lot of different colors of cards in it. And well, it's also, I don't, I don't want to scare you off from drafting, but... It's hard. Uh, they're... You can draft a train wreck. <laughs> you like you can actually draft a deck that is not functional if you really, really don't know what you're doing. Okay, so to <laughs> to comment on my draft, okay, the one draft I've done, like all my cards were amazing. Like it was just aggressive with removal and burn. Okay, so that being said, you had seven grizzly bears. Yeah. Uh, that being said, like of my grizzly bears, I had two of the two ores off colors, so it was black white. I had two uh, Gorkling uh, Chainwalkers, so that was white, uh, uh, red, and a colorless. Um, you know, I had a couple. I had the uh, a Battalion Lifelink guy, 
So that was one white. So like I a train wreck, and I was like, okay, I need to start prioritizing guild uh, guild gates at this point. Like probably about halfway through pack two, that's why I was like, I need to start prioritizing. Right. Uh, it didn't happen. Like I ended up with one Rakdos guild gate in pack three, and that's it. And that's because I took it. Like because I was like, my deck's finished. I'm passing up this like I think I passed like a, a uh, like a Dragon Reveler or like a, the the like Deathlink Death Touch. Uh, uh, scavenge guy, or not scavenge guy, but unleash guy. Sure. And I was like, a, a completely playable card. And I was just like, I don't need it. My deck's good. I actually just need fixers at this point. Yeah. And I just ended up with one, and I I, I played it. But I also had drafted from the first pack uh, one of the the black uh, gatekeepers and one of the red gatekeepers, which would have been nuts in my deck. Uh, well, the red one definitely would have been. Except, but nope. I, I just can't do it because I only have one gate. They're actually in your sideboard doing nothing because <laughs> yeah. they cannot do anything. Right. Like, you're, do you want a 2-4 for 4 or a 2-2 two, two for 2? We're the aggro deck, so, you know, you decide. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I had some awkward, I've had some awkward moments with mana, but... I think the most important thing to know is that every single pack, if you're trying to draft five color or four color, that every single pack has three mana mana fixing accelerants in the clue stones and in the uh, the uncommon key runes. Right. And those are super important for your strategy. Uh, okay. They they do the clue stones especially. The clue stones are common, correct? The clue stones uh, are because I feel like I see them all the time. So, yeah, they're, um, like you get multiples in a pack. Yeah, <laughs> like that that is just awesome. Like on, those clue stones are so good for this specific strategy. I don't know how good they are in two and three color strategies. Right. That like the like so like clue stones are really good in like when you are like all in five and six drops, but they're actually. Ugh, like I, I I can't decide how I feel about clue stones in general because they're actually just skip my turn. Like and it feels awful to just say skip my turn. <laughs> like especially if your opponent has any kind of aggression. Like if they're on like a very good like uh, like even if they're not a, a particularly aggressive deck, if they're like a good mid range type deck, it's still really bad to just say skip yeah. my turn. No, you're absolutely skipping your turn, and it's mostly because there's not a lot of one drops in the set at all. Right. Like most. Most of the one drops are some kind of combat trick, right? And that's or why, just unplayable. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's why. That, that's why things like Thrall Parasite are insane. Yeah, because it's just a one drop, and yeah. pff, you don't get those. Like, I mean, that's insane because it's a one drop of the X store. <laughs> I mean, well, well, but like Experiment One is the same way. It's like another uncommon that is very powerful, and it only gets better because it's a one drop that in a set with no one drops. Right. So. You just get this extra value for just being on the board. And so if you're in this five-color deck where you go turn one, guild gate, turn two, basic land, turn three, basic land, keys, uh, clue stone, and Casby sitting over there going, Boros Mastiff, uh, Rakdos Chainwalker, attack you <laughs> yeah. for two, uh, turn four, I don't know. Two more dudes of anything. Right. And I'm like, oh, so you're representing eight power with Battalion, and I've got five mana. So I'm already, like, four creatures down. Like, this one creature I'm about to... Like, that Jelen Sphinx better put in some work. Like, <laughs> Jelen Sphinx better do fucking everything. I like. mean, that being said, if I accelerate into something like a Profit Loss or a War Leader's Helix, 
Like, that's much better. Right. Because now now I've got this, like, removal spell that gets me back in the game. Maybe you play one of your gatekeepers. Like, especially the seven life one. That's an instance where it's just amazing. So. So, a card that I played with that everyone kind of, like, questioned me about. Yeah. And um, me and D-Cell, like, we just had a pile of cards of just, like, block stuff on my table. So I was like, hey, let's make some decks. So I made a Boros deck, and he made, like, a five-color control deck. And, you know, just, like, it's all chafe. It's all, like, commons and uncommons. So I play out this Hazda, uh, Hazda Snare Squad. Okay? Three, three mana, so, one four. So it's, it's a Horned Turtle, but it has the ability of, when it attacks, pay a white, tap target creature. Is it tap or they can't block? Uh, if you do tap target creature and opponent controls. Wow, it actually taps them? Yep. Holy crap. So, actually, this card won me so many games, it's not even funny. Like, not even just against detail. Like, in the draft, I had one, and the card was just nuts. And everyone's just like, oh, that card's not very aggressive. Why is it in your deck? And I was like, because it falters and it does damage. Like, it, kills, like, <laughs> it kills my big plan. My big plan was to make this gel and sphinx and try to block forever and hope that I can stabilize. And now your thing is just tapping my vigilance guy. Right. And so you can swing for one all you want. <laughs> yeah. He's not gonna block. Like now I'm not doing anything. I'm just dead. Right. So, but that card was. And he's really good with battalion. Like, yeah. Like he's just he's a battalion guy that doesn't need battalion to activate. <laughs> really, really and, good. And yeah. he's a common. So. Wow. Yeah. And like, I, like not I, very aggressive, but very aggressive in the same respect. Like I, I think that goes in every every deck that wants a white in it. Like at, like every guild, it goes in Orzhov because it's defensive. Goes in and it goes in battalion because it turns on your battalion creatures much better because it makes your a lot. Think about a lot of the battalion guys is you play them out early and by the time you can swing with battalion for value, mm-hmm. they've got dudes on the board that can block for value. So, like, you have aggressive dudes, but they just either trade with them or can just beat them outright in combat by the time you can swing with, you know, especially if you're on the draw. If you play a Wojcik Halberdiers into, like, a 3-drop that doesn't have haste, and then they play out a 2-4, you just have, it's like they just killed your Wojcik Halberdiers. It's that, like they don't do anything. I think that guy goes really well in Selesnia also. Just, like, you, like, he doesn't have populate synergies, but your populate guys are usually very small and have... Difficulty getting through big guys sometimes. So if they land a big guy, like if they like land a ogre gate uh, jailbreaker, yeah. you can't swing through. And you just but have, now you can. And now you just have two, like you have two knight tokens with vigilance, and you're like, I really want to get through with these, but he's got a four four. Right now you can because his guys tapped, you know. And wow, I don't think it can be overstated how good that card is. Right, the card's really really good. Just one of those sleeper cards that I think a lot of people are going to look at oh. and pass by. Scroll back down. Uh, this guy freaking owned me. Keep going. <laughs> Riot Piker? <laughs> what? Okay, so... That guy destroyed me today, and it's only because... I only want to point this card out. It's first Because <laughs> it, it's a two-mana, two-one goblin that has first strike and has to attack each turn. Right. Right? So, on the surface, this card looks very bad, bad honestly. It's a piker that has to attack? Um, the reason why I, I want to call this card out is because we're coming off a of guild... We're coming off of Gatecrash. Gatecrash, a really fast format, full of bears, very aggressive. And when you drafted it, you got three packs of it. Right. So you could have, so like the seven and eight bear deck, where, where your deck was all twos and threes, was very common. Right. But because we're putting all three of the sets together, you only get one pack of all these bears. And so if you want to be the bear deck, you have to play cards like Riot Piker that are just 
slightly mediocre, except if you don't take it, you're not going to be the aggressive deck anymore. Right. Like, you just, you don't have the creatures to do it. Like, you just need anything on two so, at that point. Yeah, so yeah. you can't ignore it just because it's not the best card for you. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's not just a Goblin Piker with... Also, he, also he blew me out today because I didn't realize he had first strike. So. Right, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> he has first strike, so yeah. it's not the worst that he has to attack every turn until your opponent stabilizes. And then it's, it's just a liability. You're just, like, thrown away in combat. Uh, he's much better with Blood Rush, that's for sure. Um, yeah, first strikers with Blood Rush are just nutso. Yeah. So... Because you're like, oh, um, <laughs> You're like... Because you, you can't even, like... A lot of times when you swing with a dude into a, an unprofitable board state... They're like, oh, well, he's got a trick. So they'll just let it through. That guy, you don't have a choice. You have to send it in. So they, they're not going to put you on a trick as often. They're going to be like, oh, he actually just has to swing. And then when you do have a trick, it's just a fucking blow. You're like, ha, 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 make my idiot swing. Oh, wait, I had this burst of strength. You're actually dead. You know what card I think is odd? The, the, the red, it's like a Maka. I think it's called a Maka. Like the red guy, it's like it's a hill giant with blood rush. Yeah, so it's yeah, a three yeah. three for four, and has blood rush red target creature gets plus three plus three. So it's actually giant growth for red. Like it's just what I mean. It only the the important thing to remember about blood rush, and I feel bad because we're just rehashing old mechanics. Like, but we're, you, no, it's like rehashing old mechanics in the new in the new spin in the, in the new spin. Yeah. Um, this is just old, and if you didn't realize this by now, then you're dumb. Blood Rush is, <laughs> Blood Rush is only for attacking creatures. Right. So when you say it's giant growth, it's only half of a giant growth. Well, because, I guess. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, but I've seen people, and I've done it myself, where, like... Try to block with it? No, I just, <laughs> like, I strategically keep up mana in a way that, like, oh, I could have this Blood Rush guy, or they've seen my Blood Rush guy, and then they're thinking about it... And they play around and it. And they play around it, even though... It's you don't their, have it. even <laughs> though no, even though it's their turn and it, they're trying to attack me, but they're like, oh well, what if he has that plus two plus four effect? I can't even play that right now. I cannot put it on my guy. My guy is not attacking. Correct. And you I know, mean, you can target their creature. <laughs> I could actually. I, I blew somebody out today. I, I again, old mechanics. I scavenged a sewer shambler onto his Rakdos Drake, so it couldn't block. So that it could not block because it has unleash. And if they have a one-one counter on them with Unleashed, they can't block. Right. And then I killed him, and awesome. and he was like, I had no idea that was a play. You're like, burst of strength, your guy, swing in, yay! Yeah, and I was like, really, burst of strength is occasionally a falter. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things about the set where you're like, I read all the cards, I guess, or like, I know more. You about, just drafted the shit yeah. out of the first two sets, so it's just like I just I know more about the mechanics than you. I understand. Like, Rakdos Drake is a new card, so right. like, it's got Unleash. You didn't think about it, like you haven't played Unleash in like four months, right? Like, it's it's been a long time, so yeah. like, um, it was interesting. Let's talk about these um, multicolor giant guys. The what are they called? Maze Watchers? Oh, the Maze Runners. Maze Runners. Okay, we can uh, talk about them. Well, they all give a benefit to your multicolor guys. Right. Oh, the oh, okay, the maze. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maze watchers, right? Uh, I don't know what they call maze them, but they're maze somethings. Oh, we're <laughs> Everyone's find the called name. maze something. We're gonna find the name. No, they're just maze something. So it's like yeah. maze sentinel, maze glider, maze abomination, maze rusher, maze behemoth. Okay, so what are the abilities they get? Flying. So the white one is five and a white, three six. Oh, I just want to know the abilities. The, oh, the, vigilance, the, flying, death touch, haste, and trample. Okay, so just all the classic colored abilities. They're the the sizes are irrelevant. They're all enormous monsters, and they all have giant stats. Well, the haste like, one's not that big. I mean, it's got a big face, but it yeah, it dies in combat. It also that. has haste. 
Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't like these cards. I think that they are super-duper awkward. Okay. I, I have not drafted a deck yet that I have not been able to find some other giant fatty that is just much better. The flying one, I feel like, is really, really good. So it gives those abilities to multicolored creatures you control. Correct. And I just feel like, even though I have a decent number of multicolored creatures, like, it's sometimes it's not even the majority of my deck. Sometimes most of my guys will have a guild mechanic on them, but they're just like, it'll be like a knight of obligation. I mean, it doesn't matter. Some something. of these guys, I mean, that's the thing about these guys is that they're fine in and of themselves. They're a little overcosted for their ability, but they're just fine. Like, okay, so like a 3 5 flyer for six, it's a tad overpriced. But the fact, like, if that card said just give one other dude flying, it's worth it. And the fact that it might just give your entire army flying, that's really worth it. <laughs> it just. Uh, my my issue is that again, like I know we talk about gel and sphinx, like it's like the only finisher you'll ever have in your deck. <laughs> yeah, right? the one power finisher in your deck. <laughs> the, the nice one deck. <laughs> the one five for five. But like, there's just there's so many five and six drop things in this set that I feel like if you're if you're well, that's the thing. To Very few of them make your turns two through four drops better, and these do. That is true. That is, like, so what you want to do is play it more as, like, this top-end curve all the way up. You want to play it in a top-end of, like, a mid-range tech, I think. Right, so you go two-drop, three-drop, five-drop. Because your aggro decks don't even want six-drops, usually. Sure. Um, Like, my deck curved, like, topped out at four. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... But, I mean, if you're trying to play this six-drop... Right. Then, you know, that that's tough. The, the, the thing I think about this card that I think a lot of people are overlooking is that, like I said, it just makes your early plays more relevant in the late game. So... You know, and some of them more so than others. I think the the best ones are the Death Touch one and the the flying, flying one. Yeah. So because it just gives your dudes evasion, or it just makes your little dudes trade for bigger dudes with the Death Touch guy. The Death so. Touch one seems very good. These are all common, yeah. Uh, these are all common. Yes. Yeah, and again, like I, I feel like they made all these cycles at common that I just keep seeing over and over, and I'm like, how do I use you? I just you're just this. Giant. It's not how do you use them? It's how do you abuse them? You're just this giant guy in my pack. So like. Again, I've only drafted three times. Maybe there are there are more applications for it. I haven't bit, I haven't specifically gone out and tried to draft that. Right. So, um, anything else you want to talk about in Dragon's Maze? Um, I mean, we're going to talk about the impacts that it had on Standard here after our break. Um, but insofar as like how to draft this set, like I don't. It's I'm really up in the air. I, I haven't decided if the aggro is to go yet. Like it worked out well for me the one time I did it. But, um, you know, the guy I played in the finals had, like, a four-color extort deck that was amazing. Um, I just beat him because I had nine removal spells. So. Oh, seven grizzly bears and nine removal spells? <laughs> Pretty good. Nice deck for Stansby. Yeah. Uh. Oh, no, no, I lied. I said that I topped out at five. I actually had two punish the enemies, which, uh, VT Dubs, that card's amazing. Uh, it's, it's Falter mixed with Lava Axe. <laughs> like, it's just amazing. Three to a creature, three to a player? Yep. Sorcery speed, though. Nope. No instant? Yep. Oh, okay. It's amazing. Yep. Sorry. So. I don't want to take anything away from you. <laughs> punish the enemy. Get get punished. Punish them. Like, it actually is just the punish. Chainsaws in the rack to punishing. So, um, All right. Let's go on break. We'll go on break. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some uh, Star City uh, standard events and, uh, you know, close up. All right, guys. See you in a bit.
<laughs> Somebody had some antacid problems, but they only had like two capsules worth of antacid problems. <laughs> Is it even open? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's still got the wait. No, it's still got the cotton ball on the top. Yeah. So when I told Mike Holsworth to bring over Fat Kid snacks, he just brought over an antacid box. No, I bought that at the dollar store like months ago. Because sometimes I have heartburn in the morning after a long day of drinking. <laughs> After a long day of drinking and smoking. <laughs> Sometimes, Sometimes my tummy's angry at me. I need a chalky substance to just settle that shit down. <laughs> Make it stop screaming. Hey, tummy, I'm just letting <clears throat> you know who's boss here. <laughs> and it's you. It's these so. dollar, these dollar, tour, dollar store tums rip-offs. <laughs> like, I actually don't even know if they work. These like, are gonna, Well, we haven't used them yet. Exactly. So. <laughs> the best time is seven months after you buy them. Exactly. <laughs> Those things have no shelf life. Oh, uh, brother. Welcome back, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed that musical interlude. Oh, it was probably some terrible indie band that I'll plug in later. Chris Casby loves it. I'm going to make some recommendations Chris for Chris Casby indie, loves it. Bands. Oh, okay, great. I you can listen to like my awful taste in music, too. Which, me and D-Sales actually kind of overlap a fair amount. Uh, I leave, sometimes I leave music running and Chris Casby just says, well, I didn't hate it enough to turn it off. So. <laughs> yeah. He said went and took a shit earlier. And like his, I, I don't know, some Pandora station's running. He's like, oh, what did you think of my Canadian rock band? I was like, it's alright. <laughs> I didn't turn it off. Like, yeah. it's not, it's not awful. That's the message. So I, I wouldn't go out and like, look for them. But, uh, you that, know, that's fine. The, I mean, they had drums and a guitar. So, you <laughs> they, know. Had, they had drums and a guitar. They were, they were a very good band. Sometimes there's a trumpet or a violin, but, you know, <laughs> the core was there. They had a Moog. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Like a weird 80s synth thing. They had a zither. A zither? It was fine. <laughs> yeah, a zither. That's a real instrument. Like a burgobop? <laughs> no, a zither. It's a real <laughs> instrument. Look it up. No. Uh, Okay, well, you don't know what's not real is Alex Mitchell's Bant Hexproof deck from Edison. All right, so, okay, so, Mike Flores And has by been, Edison, I mean Somerset. Um, Mike Flores has been talking about this Bant Hexproof deck that he's on. It's, it pretty much plays uh, out similar to the Aras deck that did very well at the uh, Grand Prix about three months ago. Sure. Where it, like, relied on... Like uh, ethereal armor and on Geist of Saint traps and, and fencing aces and stuff like that to really kind of just wail away at them. At oh, very by the quickly. way, guys, we're just going to rattle off the names of cards now. So if you really don't know what we're talking about, that's your problem. <laughs> and, I mean, we'll go into in depth with some of the newer cards, but insofar as ones that have been like established metagame yeah. placeholders, like, we're going to assume that you know what they are. Okay, um, that's just that's the disclaimer. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, we haven't done this in a while, so we're, like Scrubland is back. By the way, we've got notes. <laughs> we're not at a restaurant. Like I'm drinking a beer. Chris Gasby's smoking a cigarette. Scrubland is back. This is the yeah. Let's talk about how terrible Mike Flores is at building decks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, okay. So to be fair, <laughs> I actually liked Mike Flores' deck better because he was running. Uh, Loxton and Smiters in his list. Uh, but this gentleman who top-aided made fourth place with his list was not, which I like less. But, like, read off some of these. Read off his list. Okay, I want to so, see what, what he was doing. No, okay, so he's got sweet cards. He, and, it and, looks very much like the old list. And by, and by sweet cards, I mean Fencing Ace and Invisible Stalker. Those guys are just awesome. They hold rankers very well. <laughs> like, you put a ranker on them. You put a, Lower, spe- wow. you, you put a Spectral Flight on, on a Fencing Ace. That's a 3-3 three, three flying double striker. Right. That's awesome. 
I'm sorry. Like, like, that's raw power. Well, that's... Okay, so the great thing about that is, like, even if they have the Searing Spear, if they tap out, it's still just six damage. Yeah. Like, you still Lava Axe them with that ser- with that Spectral Flight. Like, you did an additional five damage. Like, um, I mean, we still have the four guys to say trap. The... The issues I have with this deck are that, for some reason, we have four Land War Elf, which is now called Avacyn's Pilgrim, which is fine. Like, I get it. You just want the extra mana, and you need the extra guy. Because the real issue I have with this deck is that it plays 20 creatures and 16 enchantments. Creature enchantments. Right. This is, like, all in. And the problem is that they're calling it Bant Hexproof, except only eight of those guys have Hexproof. Right. Well, I mean, okay, so... That's bad to me. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So this deck in particular, like, the meat of the deck is the Hexproof deck, guys. Those, that's who you want to do the game winning is the Hexproof guys. Yeah, Invisible, Everything else, Invisible Soccer is, like, your best guy. Uh, guys to say Trap's your best guy. Okay. Um, because when you strap any of the enchantments on him, he's actually just amazing. Um, but, um, like, Addison's Pilgrim, it's just in there to mana fix and to turn to a guy's... Um, and there's a new card from uh, Dragon's Maze in this, which is getting a lot of hype, which I don't really understand. I guess it's good. I understand how it's good, but Voice of Resurgence is a $40 card. Something. Like, it's mythic, but... I mean, somehow it's more expensive than the Planeswalker in the set. Right. And it just, it's a goat man. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so Voice of Resurgence says, uh, it's a 2-2 for Selesnya. It's a white and a green. It's a 2-2 that says, whenever your opponent casts a spell on your turn... Or, Voice of Resurgence dies, you get a token with star star, where star equals the number of creatures in play. Okay? That you control. Right. Uh, That you control, excuse me. Yeah. You play on your battlefield. So, worst case scenario, it's like a bad, bad Doom Traveler, I guess? Yeah, it's like a Doom Traveler. (laughs) Right? But I mean, like, that's the thing. It also turns off their instant speed removal. So it kind of steals tempo in that sense. Because if they have a Searing Spear, and they do it during your end step, they kill your guy, you get a dude for, for the fact that they're just, playing one on the, their, in yeah. your turn, and then you get another dude because it goes to the graveyard. Right, so so the, the the real hidden power, I guess, like is that if you just have this guy, and they, then they try to instant speed, you actually get two guys. Right. And that's, you know... It's, it's a tempo steal. I can see why that's cool. Then you have two two-twos. Great. But, like... Like, it, it also gives you some play against uh, counter spells, right? Uh, yeah. Because, it it yeah. just makes every time they play a counter spell, you, you, get, get, a, a you get a guy. But that means that counter spells aren't really a force in the metagame right now. There aren't a whole lot of decks. Even the control decks aren't really playing counter spells. This wouldn't be a $40 card if that wasn't a portion of its appeal. <laughs> like, there are other formats that people are thinking about playing a card I mean, like this. it's a $40 card right now because the it's a is, mythic the and it's new, new yeah. and it's the one that people are playing with the most. Um, that it is something it does. Anyway. I mean, we talked about it earlier. It's probably like $10, $15 card, I think. Anyway. And I think it's going to settle down over the next couple months. Um, Invisible Stalker is better than this card. And better... Voice uh, of, yeah. Like, Invisible Stalker, way better than Voice of Resurgence. <laughs> uh, Voice of Resurgence, I like with Rankers. I mean, that's fine to put a Ranker on a Voice of Resurgence. They kill it. You get a creature and a Ranker back. Yeah. So there's that. Um, but... Like, I mean, the Ranker is, is the most appealing part of playing Voice of Resurgence, just yeah. because... You it, always have a dude to put a Rancor. Yeah, it gives you that that recursive, hey, here's a Rancor, like, here's another at least three damage, like, you know. Yeah. Um, he's not legendary either, right? So you can play multiples. Correct. So, I mean, 
there, there's some play there. Like, whatever. Um, this deck is really unexciting to me. And also, I think that you should not play 20 creatures and 18 creature enchantments. That's just stupid. Uh, I do like... It also plays the new card, uh, Unflinching Courage, which is... Armadillo uh, Cloak. Yeah, very... Yeah, pretty much Armadillo Cloak. So, I mean, it's plus two, plus two, trample, lifelink. Yep. Creature enchantment for one green-white. So, it's good... Uh, it's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. I just think that you don't need to play four. Like, I like the card, right. I don't think four is the right number. Four seems like way too many. Like, Unless maybe... the card's just that Nutter Butters, which I can't imagine being the case. It seems good on a lot of things, though. I mean, like, I feel like putting it on any of the Hexproof dudes or Fencing Ace makes it just amazing. Do people just not play Wrath of God? Is that, is that what happened here? So... This deck made fourth place. Like... yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I, it's, there are decks playing Wrath of Gods, but I guess it didn't matter. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, sometimes you just get beat down too fast, or you don't draw it. Like, I mean, that's I mean, the thing, like, Voice of Resurgence is also built in Day of Judgment. I mean, I mean that's like, why you have the Rancor, that's why you have the Rancor, that's why you have the Voice of Resurgence, like, I right. get it, but at the same time, like, give me a deck with a Wrath of God in it any day. Wow. Casby, hit me with a deck with Wrath of God. Uh, I, know you, I know you have one over there. Alright, so, there's Matt Costa... Uh, had played Bant Flash, uh, which I like this deck a lot. Because, <laughs> okay, so it, uh, one of the cards that have been hyped a lot... Um, I like Matt Costa a lot. He looks like a Boy Scout. Oh, I, well, I was doing an image search for him, and he was running around on the beach with his shirt off. Oh, right, and he looked a lot like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I thought that he was Matthew McConaughey for a little while. <laughs> I just misheard Chris Casby, and I was like, I don't know who like that is. He's like, well, just Google search Matthew. And I was like, okay. Matthew Lerner. Yeah, Matthew Lerner. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then it was just pictures of Matthew McConaughey running shirtless down the beach, smoking a cigarette. And I was like, wow, <coughs> Magic players got sexy. <laughs> like, Kibler's got nothing on this guy. God damn. So, <laughs> Matt Costa... Uh, a good player, top eight in multiple GPs last year, um, won one, like, good player. Not Matthew McConaughey. Looks like a Boy Scout. Um, and apparently looks like your cousin. <laughs> he does look like one of my cousins. <laughs> so, um, he's playing this deck uh, that uh, highlights Advent of the Worm. So, because it's a new card, we'll go over it. Advent of the Worm is a colorless, double uh, green, white. Put a 5-5 five, five trampling worm token into play at instant speed. Okay. So you remember when they made Armageddon, Arm Armada Worm? And people were like, wow, Armada Worm gives you an extra 5-5 five, five with trample. I mean, to be fair, everyone said wow for the first week, and now it's like a $2 mythic. Sure. <laughs> so they made this one, and it gives you a 5-5. Five, five. It just It's just the worm part. It's just the token part mm -hmm. of the Armada Worm. Mm -hmm. But this one's an instant speed, and it costs two less. Mm-hmm. Is Armada Worm good now? No. No, I mean this part of Armada Worm. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By Armada, this, part, this part of Armada Worm's good. By Armada Worm, I mean Advent of the Worm. So uh, his deck, we'll, we'll go through his deck list real quick. It's two Augur Bullets, two Restoration Angel, four Snapcaster Mage, which means that he's all in on this Advent of the Worm. Um, four Advent of the Worm, four Zorius Charm, one Dissipate, two Rewind, two Selesnya Charm, one Syncopate, two Think Twice, three Thought Scour, three Unsummon, two Supreme Verdict. Uh, I think it's really important to re notice here that he's got the four pack of Snapcasters, the two pack of Augers, and like, and these are all of his creatures. Like, 
he's got all spells in this deck. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about Augur Bolas is that it goes and gets either a counter spell, a removal spell, or a f- your finisher. Or your finisher. Yeah, right. like your finisher just happens to get found by all your stuff now. Right. And that's pretty great. That's pretty awesome. Um, so... Uh, this is this is a list that I actually like a lot. I, like a lot of times when I'll write down list deck lists for notes, I won't write the mana base unless it's like something special about it. I was writing it down for this one. Diesel's like, "Why are you writing the mana base for that one? It doesn't look any special." I was like, "Oh, I actually just want this because I might build this deck." <laughs> this just looks like a Casby deck that Casby would play, but, um, um, and it doesn't have voice of resurgence, so it won't cost like a million dollars. It does dollars. have uh, voice of resurgence in the board. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, of course it does. Why wouldn't it? Yeah. Whatever. Also has a Silkwash Spider in the board, so. Is that <laughs> so? Well, so Clash Spider still a, like talk about two mana creatures with lots of text. Uh, no, so Clash Spider is not the oh that's, a, oh, that's not the new one. No, this is the old oh, it's the five two, mana one or three, two green, three colorless, two seven with Hurricane? activation of X green green kill stuff. Oh, yeah, I want it, I want it to be the Grizzly Bear Spider. Yeah, I know. I, I like that guy more. It's not. It's not that guy. Oh, well, okay. So let's talk about Banflash a little bit more. Like, uh, like how does Banflash win games? Banflash just plays 5-5s five at instant speed. Like, <laughs> or 3-4 flyers at instant so speed. You just, so you just straight up play control, wait yep. wait until the end of the turn, get ahead on board. Like, you either flash in this 5-5 ad- like five, five worm and block something, or... So it's got two rewinds, which is very good, because it lets you play a counterspell and a threat in the same turn. Mm-hmm. Um... And, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's not a whole lot of all-in on counterspells. It's got, you know, it's got four counterspells total. One dissipate, uh, two rewinds, and a syncopate. So it's not, uh, I mean, it's, not it's not a control deck in that sense. But again, when you have four Snapcasters, though... They get a lot more value. You get a little bit more value. So, I mean, the deck looks great. I like it a lot. Like, it feels really good. I don't understand Thought Scour, really. I guess it's... It's something to do on turn one. I guess, and it's, I mean, it's good value with Snapcaster late game, and, like, you, I guess you just put stuff in the bin that you can just Snapcaster back. Uh, like, sometimes, yeah, you just, you don't have enough mana to cast anything big, but you need to put a Snapcaster in play. Right. You just want that value. I mean, so. it also has three unsummons and three thought scours, so, it, what, okay, Casby, you only highlighted all these, aggr- all these, like, weird control decks or whatever. What is going on in the metagame where unsummon is, like... This main deckable card, like what? Advent of the Worm. (laughs) I mean, like you get an Advent of the Worm token, but like you told me that if I wasn't doing something on turns one, two, and three, that I was going to be dead. Yeah. Like what? Like why do I need these unsummons? I mean, there's just a lot of aggressive decks like Naya Blitz. Like a lot. Like it doesn't even feel good to unsummon their stuff, but you have to sometimes because just they're swinging. It's it's all you have, right? They're swinging for big chunks of damage early game. You have to do something other than nothing, like just. Playing that card, like, Bouncer Dude is gain two life is fine. So are these the decks that, So, like... Because I've seen decks that are, like... Uh, and not, more often or not, you're just bouncing, like, a flint of four to gain they, three. They have... So there's, like, multiple flavors of aggro decks. There's Diagraph Ghoul decks, and there's Flint Hoof Boar decks, and there's Lightning Striker decks. Yeah. Not necessarily all in the same deck. Right. But... Maybe that's a deck. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean you a, saw my popper deck, right? That, that's, a, that's a one, a two, and a three. Let's go. There you go. Um, but like, those seem like three different flavors of aggro decks that I just know off the top of my head, and I don't even play this format. Right. So, unsummon is well. There's also <laughs> um, a deck that was doing pretty well, and it's kind of it looks like it's fallen off a bit. Was the bug aggro deck? 
that was playing uh, Young Wolves and this is Stranger the, Roof Guys with uh, Rapid Hybridizations. This is the Dust Mantle Overseer to finish deck? Yeah. That's That deck seemed really cool, too. Yeah. That one didn't seem nearly as aggressive as some of the other ones I've seen. Yeah. Like, the Naya Blitz deck is really aggressive. Okay. All right. That, um, that's all I wanted to know. Because, like, we're, we're not going to highlight any really, really aggressive decks, but... I mean, the Geyer Sage decks are pretty good, too. That's a good thing to unsummon. Okay. Um, that's cool. So, the last deck list we want to talk about... I mean, what one was Reanimator, and there's nothing really new about that. I mean, it's just... What was a little disappointing to us is that a lot of these decks didn't have any new cards at all. Well, the ones that we're showcasing did. Yeah. But, like, like a Reanimator lot of, didn't. Some of, the, some, of the, some of these decks are just straight up... Like, we... Shaheen wrote a mystery article. For some, <laughs> like, for some reason, they were, like, mystery guests on the feature free side of Star City today. And we're like, who's the mystery guest? Oh, it's Shaheen. Well, no, like, he's like, who's the mystery guest? And, like, the first line is, like, how to evaluate a control deck in the meta. I was like, that's fucking Shaheen. Like, <laughs> well, fucking like, the, like, the first paragraph, even in the bumper, it was like, looking for a new Esper deck with Lingering Souls? Find out from our special guest how it works now. <laughs> and then at the, end of the de- at the end of the list, it's just Shaheen putting up an article and, it, like, a deck list, and it's like, oh... Shaheen, you didn't put any new cards in your deck. <laughs> like he he covered a couple of them. He's like, hey, these are some new cards, but not good enough. But like, if you you can play them if you really want to, but this is what I'd play. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, like apparently Reanimator just gets you. Yeah. It has Thrag Tusks and and angels or something. It's Angel Serenity, I think, is, like, the, the, the most pain in the ass. It, like, it's think. still a pain in the ass? Well, like, that card's the most pain in the ass in the sense that it makes any game a grind. And, yeah. like, Flint Hoof War is just like, oh, I just went out of nowhere. So. They have Angel, they have Angel of Serenity and Flint Hoof Boar in the same deck? Yeah. In the Reanimator deck? Yeah. It's playing Flint Hoof Boar. Yeah. In its main deck? Yeah. I don't know anything about the reanimator deck. I'll do my own research. Okay. Uh, basically, it is they, they play out Lingering Souls in the early game, and then they just reanimate a Flint Hoof War, and they swing for a death. This is the 3-3 with haste, right? No. Flint oh, no, War? I'm thinking uh, Crater Hoof Beam. Sorry. Okay. All right. I was like, Casby is going deep on some tech. Like, uh, crater Hoof. Crater Hoof Behemoth. Crater right hoof the, other hoof. Sounds, the other Hoof. Sounds more like a card that reanimator would yeah, yeah, target. Yeah, Flint Hoof War. Yeah, they should make a 3-3 haste guy. I'm like, wow, Unburial Rights for Flint Hoofboard does not sound like a good play. That, that Why wouldn't they just get the Angel? <laughs> apparently, I need to learn a lot more about the format. I don't no, it's, like... a, it's Crater Hoof Behemoth. My, my, my apologies. All right, that guy's pretty big. All right. Uh, uh, Casby talks to me about Will Will Aids deck. Um, Eats? Aids? <laughs> um, so we're playing... Uh, he was playing uh, the uh, a tweak on the... Jerry T's blue, white, red flash deck from the last Pro Tour. Um, that, this I actually really the reason I really wanted to look at this deck is because this is what I've been playing in standard, like tweaks of it. I was actually closer to Joel Larson's deck, also known as Swedish Kibbler from that Pro Tour. Swedish Kibbler. That's what they called him. That's his, that's his moniker. Yep. That's sort of humiliating, um, honestly. So to be known as no, like they were they were calling him that in the coverage. Like, they were calling him Swedish I'm saying, in that's, the coverage. I'm saying, that's humiliating to be known for looking sort of like a more successful player than you. No, he didn't look like him. He had, like, he was just uh, very, like, like, he had, like, uh, nice hair, like, kind of yeah. gelled up in product. And Great. He had, like, a nice collared shirt on. Uh-huh. So he was just... Swedish Kibler. Not, not a horrifyingly unattractive Magic player like most Magic players are. 
I, <laughs> so I guess that made him the Swedish killer. This is not the topic we should be talking about. We should be... <laughs> I would rather talk about the fact that this is a Chris Casby stamp of approval deck because this guy figured out how to play it and Chris Casby been turtling around with Augur Bowl last night. Well, time. I hadn't I hadn't really done anything with the new cards. So like my list was like I was playing the Joel Larson version that was kind of all in on charms. So I was playing like Boros Charms and Azorius Charms and Izzy Charms and stuff like that. And I was finding that so many of my games were just won by, like, Boros Charm You, Untap, Snapcaster, Boros Charm You, Swing for fucking six. And, like, so many of my games were just winning like that. And I was like, okay, I just need to play all the Boros Charms and just really just go all in on Boros Charms. And I played around with Brimstone Volleys for a while, stuff like that. Brimstone Volleys, really? It just, that does five. <laughs> so. What's better than four? Five. <laughs> But, um, so this gentleman really found what I think I wanted to be, because in my list I was even goofing off with, like, different numbers of Reckoner and Geist of St. Travis, so, like, sometimes it was, like, three and one, uh, of variations of each, and then, like, two and two, because I really found that Geist was a very good, fast clock that really let me, let Boros Charm shine. Yeah. And so I think this gentleman found it, he's playing four of each, and he just dropped the dirtle shit of... Agrabolas, which yeah, too like, often buries land drops that you need and like hides Restoration Angels and Snapcasters. So he just found that he's like, screw it, screw this 1-3, I'm just going to play like, more oh, aggressive plays. Things that draw cards, things that counter spells. I mean, he does have three things twice, but like for the most part, let's just get aggro. So, to you know, in case you haven't seen it, I'll read the list. It's four Boroth Reckoners. Four Geist of Saint Traft, three Restoration Angels, three Snapcaster Mages, um, twenty spells, which is a little light when you were playing Augurs, but fine, I think when you're playing Snaps. Uh, it's playing four Zorius Charm, four Boros Charm, three Searing Spears, th- three Think Twice, three Turn and Burn, which is the new card, the new split card, which is uh, one in a red, or well, same in order. Two in a blue is Turn, and it says. Target creature becomes a zero one and loses all abilities, mm-hmm. and then burn is target creature. It deals two damage to target creature for one in a red. They're both both sides are instant, and then so, you fuse it. So if you fuse it, you can kill for five mana. You can kill something. We'll say Thrag Tusk, or you can two for two for one someone in combat. That's that flavor of the moment where so now your Thrag Tusk is a zero one with no abilities. So I you don't get it. a three three when it dies. Can you split the two damage? Or you have to no, deal with two it's two damage to a creature. Okay. But the reason that I think this card is very good is because it lets you play Geist of St. Traff. They You swing, they block. Even if they double block, if you have five mana, you can just blow them out. Or if they single block, you just you still blow them out. You're just like, all right, I'll block with this Thrag Tusk. And you're like, all right, cool, well, I'll just make it a zero one. You don't get a three three. Right. So, so you, you don't even have to fuse it or you can fuse it. Or like you can deal with two damage to something else. Correct. But the, the real upside to that is no beast token. Correct. Token, no, not another thing to throw in front of guys. Right. So the whole reason to play Thrag Tusk is because he's this two two threat, right? Double threat, and, and that kind of turns it off. He has no baby. Um, another card that this deck is playing that is from the new set is three of Ralzeric. Ralzeric worth the, the hype. Planeswalker, thirty five dollars. So it is two blue red for a Planeswalker. With, comes in with four loyalty. His plus one ability is tap target permanent, untap another target permanent. So, 
when that guy first came out, like people were playing around with like ramp ideas and stuff like that. This guy just says, falter your dude, swing with Geist. Oh, yeah. Because no. it goes on curve. You just go Geist into four drop. You, you go Geist, they go Boros Reckoner, you go Ralzeric, tap your Boros Reckoner, get in with my Geist. Yep. Um, he also has relevant abilities of minus two, does three damage target creature player, which in this type of deck that wants to push through damage, it's just bolt to the face or bolt a blocker. And uh, his much less relevant ability, I'm sure, minus seven, uh, flip a bunch, flip five coins. Every heads that comes up, you get an extra turn. The only appropriate way to do this is to stack all five coins on top of each other and, <laughs> and flick them all into the air at the same time <laughs> off of your finger and just let the, and just take a coin shower. <laughs> take it, take an extra make it hail. <laughs> yeah, no, make it take an extra turn shower. Absolutely, because I mean, people like whatever you ultimate your planeswalker, you probably win. This is not the impo- this is not the reason you play your guy. Well, that's the thing. Like a lot of people are like, oh, let's do. It's like you know what? If you get one turn, you're probably winning. Like if you get one extra turn, you're probably gonna win. Like unless your board state is just awful. <laughs> so he st- uh, so he's four mana. Does he start with how much loyalty? Three, four. He starts with four. So he jumps to five immediately. So without using his plus ability at all, you are able to bolt twice. Bolt twice, straight up. So that feels significant. It is. It's very significant. It's. it's People were kind of likening him to a Johnny Vengeant. I was like, nah, this is actually, I think, a little bit better than a Johnny Vengeant. A Johnny Vengeant couldn't Helix twice. Right. He could only Helix once before he had to use an ability. Right. He had to take a break. Right. This guy just bolt, bolt. Yeah. And then, so he's like this weird mix between Garrick and a Johnny. Except he's red-blue. Garrick in the sense that he can use his untapped abilities ramp. Yeah, so you can get the extra mana out of it. Yeah, or... That's the part we haven't covered yet, and that's why people were like, oh, you can play him in a rug deck and accelerate into... Whatever green fatty you want, or you play green fatty, or a lot of people are saying Nivmizit, or Thrag Tusk, or, or just Tamio. I don't know, like yeah, what, just jumping yeah, to just Tamio, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean that's. But, but what Raul, what Raul really does is he gives you three extra damage to the face, which is like that. You were playing Brimstone volleys for some reason. Like <laughs> I mean, I, like I goofed around on the cards, yeah. you know. Like, so, but like, so he's he fits that role of like, no, I want to be an aggro card. I like, I can actually turn off dudes and get you in for more, and then those Boros charms are gonna finish him off. Right. We have four Boros charms. Yep. D- and what three searing spears? Yep. That's a lot of damage. That's a lot of damage. That's like. A lot of damage. A lot I don't of like, damage. I was gonna name a card, but it's just. That's yeah, a lot of damage. Damage. <laughs> How long? Flame Rift good? Yep. <laughs> still good. Yep. Still take a bunch, a million, zillion, trillion, four multiple times. Four multiple times. So, I really like this deck. Um, a card that you thought was a little funny was Staticaster in the board. Oh, it's got two Staticaster. Is it Staticaster in the board? Which is like this three mana zero three flash tap to deal a damage. Tap to deal damage to a creature, and every creature with the same name. So, Casby says that it's because you're supposed to target your Boros Reckoner with it, and then well, you can deal them one point of damage, which I thought was just incredibly cute and well, stupid. Well, no, you play, it, you play it, you bring it in against the Lingering Souls decks, and... Oh, because it replicates onto each thing with the same name, right? Correct. So, all the spirits die. Correct. And also, against some of the mid-range decks, just having extra damage and a flash blocker is good enough. Oh, just because it's a zero three for three, yeah. And you're like, nice diagraph, cool, I'll block it, right? 
Okay. So some of the aggro decks and some of the mid-range decks having the ability to just ping your own Reckoner for extra damage. I, it kills uh, Blood Artist, right? It'll kill Blood Artist. P- like, are people playing Blood Artist? There are some Aristocrats decks still floating around. I didn't see any That's That's the other stuff. thing that we never, like, it, should we mention that? Like, nobody top 16 with Aristocrats at all? So... I don't know. It's weird. Aristocrats is a hard deck. It's not an easy aggro deck to play. It's like a very... It's got a lot of lines of play to it, just more than an aggro deck, and I think that the, it didn't get a whole lot from the new set, so I think people just wanted really to play new cards. Well, I mean, it's also one of those things where <coughs> it, it it's one of those things where it might just be the they played at the Pro Tour, and then like two weeks later, it was the Aristocrats Act Act Two, right? Because Brad Nelson, yeah, and, like Redux, because because they, they were like because. Straight up, I like I don't even play standard, and people were sitting down going, "God, I just couldn't win this FNM with the Aristocrats. I don't know how they played the Pro Tour and won it." And it's like, well, you're not a pro. <laughs> you're not, well, you're not a pro. Also, when a Pro Tour deck comes out, they're aiming for one specific metagame, and now people have changed their decks. So, Act Two comes out immediately, and that saw a little bit more success for a couple more weeks, and now it's like the new sets out. Is it time for Act 3, or is the deck just done? I mean, the like, deck played with very good cards. I um, mean, if it, if it was just a metagame deck, then, I, like, that's fine. But, like, so, okay, at, some so point, what, at some point, when do you let it go? Act 2 actually just had a lot of game against everything, so it's, it's a fairly aggressive curve. You know, you play with 1s and 2s that attack, so it's, it's aggressive in that sense. Um, it also played with uh, Blasphemous Axe. So you could resort to a control deck, just finishing with a uh, Falconrath Aristocrats and playing Blasphemous Axe. Or you could do enough damage early and play a Boros Reckoner and then just have a Boros Reckoner and like a Blood Artist right. to play, and then you play Blasphemous Axe, and they're probably just dead. That's Because it does 13 damage with the trigger from uh, Reckoner, plus all the things that die, you get triggers for Blood Artist. So I, it's usually just enough to kill your opponent. I don't know if it's just because the local metagame is behind, or people just want to play fun decks, but, like, dealing 13 damage to your opponent's face with Blasphemous Act Boris Reckoner, people don't have fun. Like, I've, <laughs> I've, no, I've straight up watched people, like, get legitimately mad that they your opponent did something so stupid, and now they have to sign the slip and they're done. I mean, you let them resolve a Blasphemous Act, like... I mean, <laughs> but, like, it just, it, it feels like one of those combos where it's like, for real? Like, fuck you. Like, you're, like, you're just, like, get out of here. Like, I hate you right now. Like, I'm, like, I'm taking my cards and I'm going home, and you... Oh, better, no, no, I've seen like, someone playing, like, a control deck, having, uh, like, a 30-some-odd life with a, playing Thrag Tusk and, uh, Sphinx, uh, Sphinx's Revelation... And they're playing against Act 2, and opponent just goes, Boris Reckoner, Boris Reckoner, Blasphemous Act 26 you. And it's like, <laughs> cool, I'm dead. Good job. <laughs> That's so stupid. Yeah. That's so incredibly stupid. Yeah. Like, um, apparently, that combo cannot beat Reanimator ever. So so this deck has trouble with Reanimator in the sense that... Oh, so that's also the blue-white-red deck. That's one of the other reasons Casby really likes it. If you guys didn't know, you can go infinite with Boros Reckoner via... Uh, Azorius Charm and Boros Charm. You yeah. give it lifelink, you give it in, uh, indestructibility, and if it takes any damage, you just you just keep on looping all the targets to himself, and it gains life every time, yeah. equal to the number of damage that was dealt. So, like, that's another really stupid thing about Boros Reckoner. Ta-da! Yay! <laughs> 
So, now that we know all about Boris Reckoner, tell me why Reanimator kills it dead. So, just w- for my playtesting with my list, and it seems like this one, too, this one probably puts a fast enough clock on it that it can beat Reanimator, but the older one, the older versions, like Jerry T's list and um, Swedish Kibler's list, is that... Joel Larson. Joel Larson. Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, they they couldn't like the, the reanimator deck had so much re, uh, inevitability. So even when you were playing the list with like supreme verdicts or blasphemous acts or something to that effect, like they had enough sustainability to kind of still get you. And like a lot of the people are turning to rest in peace as the answer to the deck, and it does. It slows them down, but they're playing abrupt decays, so they just blow it up, and you can't stop that. And then they just refill their yard and come back and win. Yeah. That was my one big question, because Kazu said the same thing. He's like, yeah, you know, the uh, this uh, blue-white-red deck from Mr. Will Aids, he, uh, he you know, doesn't have any kind of resistance to reanimator at all. He just, his his plan is to be aggressive and kill them before they make something giant. Right. And, I don't know. So, uh, like, reanimator's plan against this type of deck is to make Lingering Souls a chump block. So that's when you bring in your static casters. And sure. Um, so I don't know if I'm just behind the times if this card isn't good, but they reprinted Tormod's Crypt, and for a deck like this one where it just has Snapcaster Mages, Rest in Peace hurts you because right. now you can't use any of your stuff. Right. But Tormod's Crypt is that ability where it's just this constant threat. Right. Uh, I think the this type of deck, the card that if it were to play that type of card, like it even cares that, like this one, I feel like is aggressive enough to beat Reanimator. Despite, you know, like, the, the list that I was playing were less aggressive, and this one seems far more aggressive. Um, you know, like, I think these types of decks are the ones that want Purify the Grave, especially if they play Thoughtscour. Oh, Purify the Grave is all, yeah, right. that's a really good one. Um, so it's like, it kind of just says, like, Counterspell. Yeah, no, it's W, Exile, Flashback, W, Exile. Right, so each, <laughs> each, basically each Purify the Grave you have counters each one of their own burial rights. So, yes, um, but I mean, I mean, that being said, I don't even think this deck needs to worry about. Yeah, that's what's fascinating. I mean, again, now we're getting into the realm of like, how bad is that matchup? Do you want to overboard for it? Because, like, I mean, you can bring in. I mean, obviously, this guy lost and Reanimator won, so I don't know who paired up gets who. But like, if you want to, you can just bring in. 12 cards against Reanimator, if you really wanted to, with any deck. Right. And don't do that. Like, <laughs> like I mean, like just because Reanimator's super-duper good, don't commit all these cards to your sideboard. Because all these decks that we've been talking about, we haven't been covering all their boards, they are all full of threes and twos and ones of right. cards. And, like, like, four Voice of Resurgence is the only four we've seen in anybody's board. Yep. You want, like, your sideboard is an option. And it's just, it's there as a resource to get you the couple of cards that you need, but if you start... Basically, you don't want to water down your strategy. Yeah. And when you devote too many slots to a sideboard, you end up watering down your strategy. I mean, that's why I'm saying, like, don't bring in Purifies and Rest in Peace and Tormod's Crypts. That's just crazy and stupid. Huh? Like, there is a correct answer for your deck. Just, you need to figure out which one that is. I mean, to be fair, this one didn't care at all. It ignored it. This one probably brings in Supreme Verdicts and Staticasters. I mean, it's also, it also, I think it's important to say, 
it's okay to have a dead matchup. To just be like, this, well, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think this is dead. Like, this list is aggressive enough against Reanimator, and it brings in Supreme Verdicts and Static Casters to kind of just make sure. But I think that main deck is just like... Kill you, you know, faster. Yeah. This is just turn stuff sideways. With a really head. interesting clock. You yeah. Know? So, anyway, that's that's standard. For the moment, anyway. That's standard. That's um, because these are all the results we have from Dragon's Maze standard right now. I mean, it was the first event, right? Yeah. I mean, like, Star City wants to get out in front of it all the time. The, the, this is, you know... I. We 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 were hating on some of the decks. We're like, this doesn't have a single new card. The set just came out, right. like literally just came out. So give it some time to breathe. Let people play in some local events. Give Serati a couple weeks. He'll come up with a control deck. Serati, <laughs> like he might come around on the Blood Baron or something. But you know, whatever. Like uh, Blood Baron seems pretty good. It's like the second coming of Baneslayer is what they're saying, right? Like yeah. a lot of abilities for. No. It's got a lot of abilities. Ba- Baneslayer was better. This one's got a lot of abilities. Michael Jordan's better than Kobe Bryant. This one's got a lot of abilities. Yeah, I like Michael Jordan better. Just say, like, <laughs> sorry. I mean, Michael Jordan's good. Dude, he's, he gets... he's definitely better than Kobe Bryant. I don't like the analogy. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think this cop of Baneslayer is Kobe Bryant to Michael Jordan's Baneslayer. Well. Uh, that's where I went with it. Also, I don't know anything about basketball. <laughs> but I feel like if Flores... I've seen enough internet memes to know that people a lot of, a lot of people make the, the references and the analogies between Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I haven't. Um, I mean, we can talk about Bobby Orr and Wayne Gretzky if you want to do that. But... But with two retired hockey players? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yeah, great. Let's just kick that around for another hour. Um, but, um, or we could just quit. We can just quit. Well, while, we can just quit while we're ahead. No, nah, we we have to do what? what? What else is there? Beer of the week. Oh shit, guys! I totally—it's in my hand. I forgot about it. Um, it's also like his third one. <laughs> pe- people were clamoring for beer of the weeks. I don't clamor. Like, is that is that the appropriate word? Yeah, yeah. actually. I mean, I got a lot of requests for beer of the week again. I don't like. I I didn't know that people loved it so much. Actually, everyone just wants to hear that that. Uh, the new version of uh, Too Drunk to Fuck by that French girl. Uh, <laughs> That's like really a really what it sexy is. version of Too That's Drunk really to Fuck. That's really what it is, is that we looked up, is it by the Ramones or some terrible <laughs> band? Great. So, so some band you've never heard of. And what? <laughs> some really sexy French girl. <laughs> some band you've never heard of. The fuck you, Ted Kennedy's. <laughs> yeah. Well... The band details it. I mean, some some French lady, <coughs> some French lady in mascara threw herself around in a in a graffiti stairwell and danced to it. And she probably sang too. I mean, it's in French, so I'm assuming she's the singer. But you know. Anyway, this is Shop Top, and I I didn't realize when I was purchasing the Shop Top that Shop Top has never been the beer of the week. Somehow, like, yeah, you've you've drank it a few few times. I've seen you drink it a number of times. Uh, but like, I, and I don't to be know. fair, it might have been a beer of the week. Who knows? Like, well, you know, we've done a lot of these tests. It's, <laughs> it's season two, and it's time to talk about some shock top again. It's a Belgian white. Um, you can find it on tap at a lot of popular places. It's not always on tap, but it it, it shows up next to Blue Moon a lot. Like if a place has Blue Moon, it probably has shock top. Um, I don't even know that's true because they're very analogous. Girls. They're very nice 
They're, they're similar beers. They're close. Enough that if they have a limited number of taps, they probably don't have both. Yeah, they'll have one or the other. Blue Moon is more popular um, yeah. because this one is... They spend more on their advertising. Well, <laughs> also, this one has... I mean, Blue Moon is a sexy logo. This one is an orange slice with a mohawk. So... I mean, it's sexy. No, like this is the cool penguin of of beer promos. Like, like this guy is is goddamn cool. Like that's no joke. Um, this is a fourth If you haven't ever tried Shock Top, you should because it's very tasty. And so it's basically just Blue Moon. Yeah, like there's not a lot of difference to be honest. And if you haven't tried Blue Moon, then. I, apparently, you haven't ever drank a Belgian white. I don't know. Like, I don't like. I don't know what to say at that point. So um, uh, traditionally, like the, much like Coronas are served with lime, you serve Belgian whites with orange. Wedges. With an orange wedge. Um, I didn't like any of the look of the oranges at the produce section, so I got tangerines. Just add a little. And bit. yeah, like I mean, it's sweeter. It's not it, tangerines don't really have any citrus, and that's what you're supposed to have. The bite for it is the, is the citrus, but yeah, like oranges. Like yeah, so a little bit more tang, a little bit more, a little bit more tang, but not in, not in a spicy way like a lemon. Um, so how many how many wedges would you give us? Say out of out of a ten wedge tangerine, how many? Or no, no, we'll say nine wedges. That looked about like yeah. These tangerines don't have ten; they're yeah. probably nine. Um, I'm gonna give this shock top. Shock top probably gets like. Seven, seven wedges out of nine, but then two of those wedges had seeds in them. <laughs> so, like a tainted seven. Yeah, like a tainted seven. Not, not quite bad enough to make it a six. Uh, but... I mean, you're eating a tangerine, you get a seed, and it's like, eh, <laughs> I'm not really happy about that, but like, I accept. <laughs> I'll take like, it. Like, I mean, it's just a minor annoyance that it's not a blue moon. So, oh, so this will actually probably come out in a relevant time frame. Um, for all you Virginia kids, I don't know if you guys know, there's a TCG States event. Oh, God. On May 18th. It's like a weird state. Is it really States? Did they I not? No. know. Did, did they not run it in the fall? I don't know. There's like some weird questions, like... Is this not like... Sarani was like qualified for TCG 50K because he won our States last... The last States in October... And, like, this one is also called States, but it's not in October when States usually is. So, I don't know. But it's a TCG event. It's a big event. It's being run by the Alice Comics guys. So Atlantis Comics? Yeah. In uh, Norfolk, Virginia Beach area. Uh, they have a lot of stores, but it's in Hampton Roads. So, if you want to drive out to the beach, we will see you there. You can find the information yourself, because I'm too lazy to find it for you. Yeah. But, um, standard cards. In the future, soon. New standard. New standard. New Drag- standard cards. Dragon's Maze. Confusing standard. Casby, <laughs> Ka- one card that you really want to play in that event. I have two that I really want to play, okay. but probably not in the same deck. Hit me with one. I'll hit you with one. I'm gonna hit you with both. I really. Oh, like at the, the new- same time, you're gonna be a double I really, barrel. I, I really like the new Bane Slayer. He's giving me the double barrel folks. And I really like the new Plant Blocker. Okay. <laughs> Um, I want to play the Scar Strike guy. I like the Verils, the Scar Strike. He didn't show up in any of these decks. I understand he's probably really bad, but he's really interesting to me. And Casby was like, "What's the one card you want to play?" I'm like, "That guy." He's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Cause he's really good in modern." And then he just gave me that look. 
Like, <laughs> you piece of shit. You can you can die a million deaths. Well, I was actually bitching about it. Like, I saw this guy on this forum saying, like, anyone want to test modern? And I'm like, modern won't be relevant for maybe six months. Anybody got arid mazes for trade? <laughs> get out of here! Like, get out of my forum! Like, go away! Like... <laughs> I got a legacy decks to play. Come on. Oh, oh yeah, arid mesas for legacy. Sure. Fuck yeah. Well, zoo deck. What was the What was the terrible fetch land he wanted us to draft? It wasn't flood, it wasn't flooded strand. It was flooded plain. Oh, we were, we were doing the cube yeah, draft. Like we, we, we were cube drafting. He's like, no, you guys, it's just like a flooded strand. I'm like, no, that's a flooded plain. It's very different. Also, and awful. It wheeled, <laughs> and it was the it was his. Pick 15. It was the very last pick, and he's like, <laughs> he was trying to convince us to draft it so hard. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Scrubland Podcast. Uh, social media. Uh, we're on Facebook. Are you going to update the Facebook? Uh, probably not, but <laughs> I check it. We're on Facebook, so that's a site that you can yeah, find I'll, us on. Yeah, I'll update it. I might even put up an awful brew or two. Ooh. It's been a long time. If we if we start putting... That's where we... If we're going to put up deck lists, that, way you, that is where you will find them, so... So I probably will since states um, is coming up. I need people to give me input. We do like we do like to put up deck lists from time to time. Uh, Email if, you, us. if you want to send us a deck list, scrublandpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, Formerly poop pants. <laughs> what? What? Um, that was never an address we had. Um, <laughs> scrublandpodcast at gmail.com. We do like to see your deck list. We like to hear about events that you've been to or whatever. Um, we like random compliments about our good looks and sexy demeanor so if you have those i've gotten uh this beard i've gotten some compliments by uh we went to gp Char uh, charleston and i went to a convenience store there and the old indian man behind the counter complimented my beard oh my god <laughs> like, nice beard. Hey, the man. old indian guy <laughs> is now complimenting your beard great so if Yep, that's the thing. Okay. Uh, Twitter, you can find us at ScrublandCast, and I primarily run that one. I, I'm active on there every once in a while. If my phone's not being a bitch, then I can put deck lists up every once in a while. <laughs> no, because like, I just like to take a picture of it, because like, Twitter is not good for writing out a deck list or anything, but you can take a picture. Yeah, it's like limited characters. Yeah, so you can take a picture really easily, but then my phone hates me like half the time, so it just... Gets into like causality. Much like your friends, it gets into a cause of time. It just hates me. It gets into a causality loop, and then it won't ever send a tweet anymore. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks, Twitter. You're just dead to me. <laughs> so, the internet is a thing that happens. Thanks. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if you catch me while I'm drunk, I'll chat with you all night on Twitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> God, God, you still just won't shut the fuck up. God damn it! He just is arguing with everybody. Shitty chatter, shitty chatter. Uh, so that's gonna do it for us, guys. Oh man, I forgot to. <sighs> Next episode? Can it yeah, wait? Can yeah, it wait? Alright, it can wait. I was just gonna say I was gonna. Nope, I... stay tuned. Nope, just stay tuned. It's gonna. We're gonna tease it out. Casby's got something big, though. Man. I just really. We went to Wawa before this. Alright, it wasn't that big. <laughs> we went to Wawa before this, and I forgot to get corn nuts. Oh, bro. shut <laughs> up. Well, this is over. Good night. Good night, you guys. God damn it. <sighs> <Chris Cassidy. laughs>